Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast and what we're calling uh, lunch date. Yeah, lunch with uh, Mike and Max. Catching up. So yeah. by the nature of a recording schedule and both of us sort of being in different places. Around the world. Around the world. Yeah. We haven't really had a chance to catch up. And because of the way our shows are laid out, we're not really going to get to do this off the opening of our next episode. And by the time we would be able to talk about it, things would feel a little dated. That's so right. So we just want to have a chance to... To get it out there. So we're just throwing this out there. There's no feature guest today. It's just Max and I. A little lunch date. That's right. So a lot's been going on. Max, you were actually recently on vacation in Barcelona. Yeah. Uh, where a lot of stuff went down uh, that we'll get to. Um, and maybe we'll start there. Yeah. The, the, the two things really are, I, I kind of want to talk about Barcelona yeah. being there. Um, and you were at Coldplay concert. I did go to a Coldplay concert. So two concert. very different things. So um, yeah, I was on vacation, like a little six-day vacation. I met up with Lauren who was there doing her Euro trip. And we uh, went to Nice first, which was beautiful. And then we went to Barcelona. Yeah. And it's my first time being in Barcelona. I'd never been to the southern part of Europe. And it really lived up to the billing. And we were staying in a neighborhood called Gracias. You've been there before. I have been. And Gracias is about the equivalent of, in my mind, Kensington Market in Toronto. So it's a little bit north of the downtown. And it's a beautiful old neighborhood. It's very vibrant. And the morning, uh, we got there Sunday night, and we woke up the next morning to all these explosions happening. And it turns out there's a street festival kicking off. Oh. And there's all this activity. There's a drum circle going on. There's like, a, like there's a lot of like street art, and there's like a big, a massive like dragon with like smoke coming out of its ears, like being carried down the street, like uh, like a constructed dragon. Obviously, dragons aren't real and uh only in my imagination and heart yeah so we ended up uh we ended up being in the middle of this beautiful vibrant neighborhood in the middle of their annual festival so it's like imagine if you're from toronto like pedestrian sunday uh in kensington market or if you're from hamilton you are going to see uh super crawl or something right, like that. It's right. just the streets are packed you didn't ex- expect this we just didn't expect and and it was funny the first night that we were there i was like is this the way i didn't even really know it was a street festival i didn't really totally come together. I was like, is this the way like people in Barcelona just hang out every single night? Like, so the streets are <laughs> packed. Uh, every restaurant at the front of the restaurant had mojito and sangria stations set up. So you just c- could like walk down the boulevard. You can drink in the streets. You could get yourself a sangria or pop into the supermarket, have a beer and carry on. And, uh, you know, the temperament of the locals, uh, you know, when it comes to them drinking in the streets is much different than like the yahoos, you know, in New Orleans or, uh, or Vegas or something like that. Sure. Yeah, people just are a lot more cool there. Um, so so we, I was sort of enthralled by the city. And, you know, we, we walked around. You know, you're counting your, your Fitbit and you're up to 30,000 steps every day. We went to another local beach about 40 minutes down the road one day. Uh, a lot of toplessness on those beaches? There was a lot of toplessness on those beaches. I recall from my time <laughs> in Barcelona. Yeah. Yeah, and the guy walks up and down the beach and he goes, Cerveza, oh, yeah, Agua, uh, Fanta. Yeah. yeah, you pull out your one euro, grab a Fanta. Exactly. It's the life, man. Yeah, it's really a uh, kind of magical place. It kind of had like the sort of like cleanliness and sort of general affluence of Northern Europe, but uh, on the Mediterranean. So I got a text from you on, uh, I think I think it was Wednesday. I'm going to pull it up right now see what day of the week it is. It was Wednesday, Wednesday yeah. at 5 o'clock. yeah. Are you in Barcelona? Because you didn't know I was. I didn't actually know where you were going. We're, we save everything for the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> Are you in Barcelona? I'm just going to read some of this text. Sure, message. yeah, go for it. I love love La Rambla. <laughs> I stayed in a hostel, private room. I don't know why you had to tell me that it was a private room. That, that you were a bit of a baller or something. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> right, right in the heart of the street. 
Uh, I met an American Marine on leave from duty, and we got smashed every night. <laughs> uh, you know, you read the whole thing. Okay, I read the whole thing. Uh, I, I, just to preface it, I was single at the time. I'd newly been dumped. It was like 2007, and I've never actually told the story in the pod. Maybe I'll tell it another time. You told the story to your group of friends yeah, uh, about a million times. <laughs> a million times. But basically, the yogurt and water. Yogurt. I was living on yogurt water, and basically to get rid of my <laughs> funk, I was gonna literally. This is a very long story. I won't tell it, but essentially, I was heartbroken, and to get rid of my funk, uh, a mentor of mine was like, "You've never actually been on a real vacation," and he he's like, "I'm sending you to Europe." So basically. I took out a line of credit and I just went to Europe for 18 days. Yeah. I went all over England, Barcelona, <laughs> Malaga. And anyway, so this was on that trip while I was by myself, just making random friends. Every and night. not to throw Danica under the bus, but she's the woman who broke your heart. That's right. But, but who's now your wife. Yeah. I mean, who you attended a Coldplay concert with last night. So all things worked out. It'll come together. Yeah. It'll all come together. So uh, anyway, I'll carry on with your text. You sent me a long text. I was sort of delighted by it. So, um, <laughs> We got smashed every damn night I was there. One night, there was a weird party thrown by a beautiful Dutch model and her androgynous boyfriend. <laughs> they were eating apples on beanbag chairs. It's true. I'll add parenthetically. And another night, there were these obnoxious British girls me and the Marine worked in tandem to hook up with. Uh, the Marine completed his mission. I was so drunk on one year of street beers, I passed out when we got back to their hotel. Him and I agreed I would make a terrible Marine. <laughs> anyway, I was reading the Game of Thrones book at the time, uh, in brackets, A Clash of Kings, to be exact. So I'd party all night, sleep until 2 p.m. every day, wake up, go get a fresh fruit, and read my book to cure the hangovers. God, that was a fun trip. Hope you're having fun. <laughs> so that's kind of... Uh, well, when I saw the you know your snaps and all that of you yeah. in uh, Barcelona on La Rambla, I was like, oh my God, Like I love that street. And anyway... I, yeah. So it was... Uh, you know, it lived up to the magic for me in a slightly different way because I was there on a slightly more romantic trip. So I responded, amazing text. Two, I love Barcelona. Three, we'll save it for the pod. And four, I'll try to find a Marine and some British chicks, uh, <laughs> which I didn't find. I found neither. But uh, anyway, so we were at the beach on Thursday. It was our final day. And uh, the beach is very close to the downtown. You, you can kind Absolutely. of walk from the beach right to La Rambla in about 15 minutes. And I got a couple tweets from our Kells fans saying, hey, man, are you okay? And they posted this thing that had happened in Barcelona. And well, here's the thing. So, like, everything we're saying that's so lovely about La Rambla and Barcelona is obviously overshadowed. Anyone listening to this leads to sort of the tragic events that happened. So you're getting a couple texts. So, so I'm getting a couple tweets. Tweets, sorry. And these are Arkells fans that are on the internet and just seen that there were... Because the first report was a car hit some pedestrians, a couple yeah. pedestrians, and that's all uh, that anyone knew about at the time. And so I was like, oh. so I tweeted back, yeah, I'm okay. You know, didn't I looked around? Everyone seemed to be just tanning and minding their own business. But I said to Lauren, I was like, you know, we should just text our parents just just in case they happen to see the same report. We'll let them know that we're fine. Anyway, with every passing, you know, ten minutes, there was a new report. Okay, one dead and five people injured. Okay, two dead, dozen people injured. And so we start kind of getting spooked. And there was after about twenty five minutes. They said, this is a terrorist attack. And then I start looking around on the beach, and everybody's kind of looking at their phone. And in Barcelona, the, it's different. The, the culture is different there. People are kind of taking in... Their pace is different. They're not tethered to their electronic devices. Exactly. They're actually enjoying life. Yeah, So, but I'm kind of looking around, and everybody's sort of on their phone. And I don't know if it's just I'm making this up, but there, there did... Uh, there was a sense feeling. of gloom kind of in the air. I said to Lauren, I said, maybe we head back to the hotel. This is kind of getting a little strange. So we kind of walked the long way around so we didn't go anywhere near La Rambla. And we're just on Twitter, just updating. And, and there were some fake reports that like the gunman had taken people hostage in a restaurant. And there was a gunman on the loose. 
And but the way back we were we took uh, back to the hotel was through a very busy part of town, right right in the heart of the downtown in these narrow streets, uh, which you know yesterday at that time would have been packed. But then it became very eerie, and there was probably about a tenth of the amount of people on the streets as there was the day before at the same time. And everybody who's on the street though is kind of depressingly looking at their phone, and it was just it was such a surreal day uh, to experience. Uh, a terrorist attack. Did you have a sense of like, like fear for your own safety or dread? Cause I mean, he did get loose. The... You know what? It was, I think if we, we didn't scare ourselves into, to like, you know, we need to hide in this bar with everybody else or something, you know? Uh, but we did notice there was a helicopter was like hovering above. Yeah. There, there was a bit of that, but we figured, you know, this is a pretty big city. What are the chances we'll, we'll run into a gunman on the street, but we, but we did sort of walk quickly back to the hotel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but it's sort of just put into context because you know there there have been a lot of terrorist attacks all around the world and especially lately in Europe, and you do feel in North America somewhat removed from them. You you know you you, you hear about it happen, you go oh, that's terrible, or maybe I know somebody who lives in that city, and you check up and you carry on with your day. But it was a very surreal experience, and just to feel a city that is especially in the summer, Barcelona, that is so much about being outside and being away from your phone and just sort of enjoying the spirit of the city. And it's such a vacation city, too. It's yeah. a destination where people are out in the streets, on the beach. Yeah, then, and then to feel the, just the switch get hit, and then nobody's in the street, and everybody's looking at their phone. Uh, and, they, you know, they're kind of, you know, not to make it about yourself, but the previous day, we were at that very location. I was sitting on a cafe waiting for Lauren to finish shopping. And, yeah. like, right at a, a cafe where the La Rambla starts. So basically where the car entered or the van entered was basically where I w- would have been sitting. So it was just a very surreal day. And it makes me want to go back to Barcelona, though, to like reclaim, to like finish the trip off right because the city is so magical, as you as you know. Well, that's a great point. I mean, the whole point of terror is to make you second-guess doing things like sitting you know, on a patio in a cafe like on La Rambla or something like that. And Danica and I were talking about this when the bombing happened in Manchester because her sister was in Europe at the time and they were heading to Manchester like the next day or oh, something. Wow. So, you know, she reached out to her sister and we just kind of got in a philosophical conversation about do you then do you not go to Manchester or do you not go to these places? You know, and Danica's like, I totally wouldn't feel comfortable going to those places after an event. And I said, maybe I'm naive, but if anything, it's like I'm sticking to my plans because the minute you start changing things, that's when terror wins. Like that's sort of the point is to make you second guess sort of living your life and going to concerts and enjoying these things. So to your point, it's like, yeah, I'd go right back to Barcelona. Well, uh, Brent. Do you think uh, that's naive? No, I mean, I, I, that's the thing. It's like you're sort of like, what's the alternative? I guess the alternative staying home and that alternative stinks, right? Like, yeah. And uh, Brent, uh, Lauren's dad, texted back after she texted him. Hey, just want to let you know we're safe. He texted back. Well, you, the, the only thing you can do right now is carpe diem the, the hell out of those fuckers or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> which, which I was like, oh, that's kind of profound in its own way. It's just like, you know, you got to keep living. But uh, it does... Yeah, I mean, this whole other conversation, but it does make you think of like, okay, how do these cities protect their citizens from this kind of thing happening? Because the the old car into a crowd of people is very seems to be very easy to pull off. But I will say this: the um, one of the nicest things was how many people reached out and were texting me after they came on the news. Uh, the Champagne Boys group. Cha- the Champagne Boys checked in. Um, a lot of people on. Twitter and uh, yeah, even people I don't even know that well were checking in. And one thing I will say is, you know, like the first three people who texted me, who my puck bunny friends, the hockey guys, the hockey guys, Nursey, 
Gadzik, Tyson Berry. <laughs> so yeah, they texted me before the band did. <laughs> I don't know. How long until you add them to the Champagne Boys group? They're, they're going to be in the message group yeah, by tomorrow, they're, they're aren't they? Be, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Just in the fact that it's like, you know, these hockey players, you know, you just think they're bros and dudes, no, but big hearts. They were worried. Paul Coffey texted me. He was, really? He was worried. Well, you know what? His wife and uh, daughter were in Barcelona, too. Oh, shit. So he, he definitely had their mind, his mind on that as well. So, yeah. But uh, anyway, I thought it would just wanted to fill you in on, on the experience of that because it's definitely like nothing like I've ever experienced, luckily. Yeah. And uh, and hopefully you never have to experience never, yeah. again or anyone does. Knock on wood, yeah. But glad to have you back. Yeah. So uh, that, that's what I've been up to. Tell me about the Coldplay concert because I saw a lot of Insta stories last night. Was I overposting? No, not at all. No, not at all. I and don't I was know how much were. to share on the old no, socials. No, you know? I, I think generally the more the merrier. There, there is a fine line. <laughs> if you're up to 20 a day, then I'd stop. But, yeah, not my style, really. But uh, And I was texting a friend who was there and uh, who's been to many shows and um, said it was the best production he's ever seen. Max, so, so I'm telling you. It. Okay, so it's an arena show. This is sorry, this is a stadium show, not an arena show. You know, like the ACC is an arena. Yeah, Skydome, Skydome is a, a stadium. You know, and I saw you two there a few years ago, like half decade or something. Um, and I got to say, like the first number, fireworks, debris, yeah. like it looked like you know, like a Steven. It looked like Saving Private Ryan. It was like outrageous and like exhilarating. And I was like, wow, they're not holding back. Like they're going for it. And the thing about Coldplay and Chris Martin is, it's like. They put so much thought into what their stage show is going to be, uh, the experience for the fan. Like, they might be one of the most thoughtful bands ever. They're like, when we go into a city, if people are going to pay this much for tickets and fight through traffic, and even said this sort of in a stage banter, he's like, we want you to have a great time. Like, whether you're like 12 or 75, like, you realize how much it matters. So, overall, amazing show. Uh, like we danced our asses off. I drank like three of those massive Budweiser's $45 <laughs> later, big smile on my face. You know, Danica was crying for fix you. Her nose she, was red. She was. Well, uh, Dan's mom passed away uh-huh. a while ago and that was the song that we played at the funeral. Oh, we carried the casket out okay. to that, which is, I mean, so it was a very emotional moment, um, during the concert for both of us, but for her, obviously, of especially. Course. And I, that's the thing about Coldplay's music is I think like, it's it's so emotional, a lot of it, and I you know it's so anthemic, which I think is by design. But what I was thinking, and Danica and I talked about this on the way home about Coldplay and Chris Martin in general, is I was looking around, and you know there's fifty thousand people, and everyone's got the wristbands and lights are going, and it's 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 spectacular, it's so visceral, and this amazing experience. But I started thinking about like Coldplay and Chris Martin, like sort of in like the the canon of rock musicians, and him as a frontman, and the idea of what's cool because. And maybe this is an antiquated idea of what's cool, but like Chris Martin and Coldplay aren't cool. No. Which maybe it's a silly argument because it's so subjective, whatever cool sure. is. But in the traditional sense of like a swaggering rock, you know, like Axl Rose shows up 40 minutes late for a show. Oasis walks on, plays their set and walks off, you know, and just by the nature of him caring so much is kind of the antithesis of what we think cool is. So I started thinking about like what you get out of a Coldplay concert and whether or not it matters. Because I'm like, this was like, it was full of joy, you know? And I was like, it was almost like, teetered into Christian rock in a sense where it's like, what are we getting out of this communal experience? And it's so affirmational and he just wants to make you feel good. But what is like rock music? What are our front mans? And does it even matter if Chris Martin like kind of straddles that, that line? And Danica's point was actually, I think it's cool that he doesn't care if, yeah. if he's dad rock or he's there for the kids or there. F- like, what do you think about the ideas that, I mean, this, you might have really personal thoughts on this. Yeah. Well, there's, um, that's yeah, I do have a lot of thoughts on this. And the first thing is that there are, and this is something our longtime book agent Jack Ross said to me. There's some bands that play to the crowd, 
and there's some bands that play for their band buddies standing side stage. Oh, great line. And the bands and the bands that only play for their buddies standing side stage and worry about being cool or how they're going to be perceived by you know the, their peers are the ones that most of the time don't go that far actually in terms of like reaching a lot of people. But for the bands that really care about, you know, the mom who paid $140 for a ticket and had to fight through traffic. They're the ones that ultimately reach a lot more people. And obviously to each their own, if you only, if you aspire to have a very particular kind of aesthetic and that's all the power to you. But if you, uh, if you again, like have that ambition and, and you, and you care about every little detail to like, for the experience of a person attending your show, then you're going to be someone who's more like Bono or Chris Martin. And again, by virtue of that, you're not going to be that as cool, but I think you could impact more people uh, with your art and your, and your songs. So uh, I personally like, am, and maybe this just, and this is all just kind of comes down to personality types. I really admire Chris Martin and uh, Bono for, for being as earnest as they are. And I know both those guys get killed a lot by the cool kids for yeah. being lame or being tryhards. But to me, it's like, I don't know, I'd rather have somebody who gives a shit than somebody who, uh, you know, is only concerned about looking cool. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, what, what do we want out of like our art, our music, our front man? Do you want someone that's super damaged? Is that interesting? Maybe to a certain segment, but maybe that's an antiquated idea of what a rock star is or an artist in that sense. Totally. And, and again, I can, I can go to a show and like that kind of show and appreciate sort of like the like the pompous rock guy or the guy who shows up late there's something to me that's also interesting about that yeah uh but if you're going to a show at the skydome yeah you want a guy who's who's going to bring everybody in that's what makes Springsteen so good that that's what makes bono so good is because they genuinely care and uh and and like and the other thing is you know bono gets killed when he falls on his face but I was like, look, if you're going to be a guy that's that ambitious, sometimes you're going to fall on your face sometimes. And you can't hit a home run every time. But Well, that's the, that's the risk in trying. That's the risk in trying. So it's like, th- like the same guy who, who writes, you know, Where the Streets Have No Name or Beautiful Day is the same guy who thinks, well, I think it would be pretty cool if we just like put our songs in everyone's iPhone. <laughs> and he got, he, got, he got killed for of that, course. right? But it's like it's this, it comes from the same place. It's that old adage, like the thing that makes you great is also the, your biggest weakness as well. Sure. So, but I appreciate those guys trying. And the other thing I'll say about Coldplay specifically is that they're they they are a rock band and they started off as a rock band. But it is very difficult to be a rock band in 2017. Sure. You know, especially when you're competing against you know everything else going on in the music culture, and the fact that they've sort of evolved. Not that I'm personally favored about every evolution of Coldplay on a personal level but the fact they've been able to sustain themselves and do two nights at the skydome and so they they can do like stadiums in markets all around the world is a testament to them going okay how do we how do we stay at the top and and like and you could you could look at that as a crass um calculation or you could look at that as like you know i'm competitive and i want to you know, reach as many people, and I, and there's fun in the creativity of of going after that. You know, there's joy in like, okay, how do we do it? And as a result, they uh, patented the technology of the wristband that you guys wore that lights up the whole thing. They, really, they own that. So the Budweiser things you guys did, yeah. Well, I mean, that's in a cup, but the, the specific wristband 
is their thing. Is their thing. That's crazy. And you know what? I mean, to your point about Coldplay, it's not just the cold pursuit of success. No. he's He has this platform and he's using it literally just to bring joy to people. Yeah, I de- definitely. And I, I think he comes by it really honestly. Like you can't be, you can't put on that kind of show. Great point. Uh, Authenticity. W- w- yeah, without, uh, yeah, by faking it. And so I think like when he collaborates or when Coldplay collaborates with, you know, the chain smokers or earlier with Kanye West, I think he's genuinely interested in like what's going on in, in pop music and, you know, and he's not like, no, I, I need to make my rock record. Yeah. Because if I didn't make a rock record, I'd be selling out or being insincere or something. Well, if he, you know, if he is a little bit too saccharine or like love and peace and sort of see whatever, I think he does come by it authentically. Yeah. I think that's who he is. I think if he was a, an accountant, he'd be that guy that everyone likes at the office. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's another thing I'll say about Chris Martin is that I feel like, uh, on one hand, when I think about Chris Martin, it's like he's just a normal bloke who's just like, has sort of just kind of happened to come out on top and sort of, you run in the street, he'd just be like a really sweet, normal guy. And then when you think about it, it's like, wait a second, this guy's been playing arenas for 16 years. He's He was married to Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> he hangs out with Jay-Z. He's like, no, he's actually on a complete other level. He's, he's not totally normal guy at all. He's totally ambitious. He's insanely ambitious. Yeah. You know, he's incredibly talented, but it's like, you don't get where he gets yeah. without seeing the whole board well that's the thing and i think that like i wonder if he gets a little annoyed that he's not put in that sort of like slightly genius category because everyone just thinks of him as this affable british guy but wait a second no no this guy has like more hits and has has accomplished more than literally just about anybody in his generation period are you gonna go to the show tonight you I should do. find yourself tickets, man. Really? I'm not I'm not kidding, man. Oh, damn. Webmaster Dan walked in about five minutes ago and he is shaking his head adamantly. He was at the show last night. Man, I wonder how I could get okay. I'll, I'm gonna talk to him that. I will. All right. So has that been our lunch? That's was been it, our little lunch was date. Was it a good lunch? I love this lunch date. Let's do more of these. I love it. All right. See you next week if we don't die on the weekend. I got my